This sermon was recorded at Church of the Ascension, an Anglican parish in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, whose mission is to be a worshipping community that equips God's people and shares Christ's healing with a broken world. For more information, please visit ascensionpittsburgh.org. Let's pray together. Loving Father, as we submit ourselves to your holy word, we pray that your spirit would open our eyes, that we might behold wonderful things from it. Pray that you would reveal Jesus to us in new and fresh ways, and in seeing him, you would make us like him. We pray these things in his name. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning to you. Merry Christmas. Happy New Year. So good to see you this morning. And a special welcome to uh, our young children who will be with us uh, for the whole service. Because they're with us, I did my very best to make my sermon at least a little bit shorter than normal. You can consider that a Christmas gift. Earlier, one of the kids was cheering, which was pretty awesome. So... Uh, Well, uh, as an Anglican church, we celebrate Christmas for 12 days, the 12 days of Christmas. And so this morning, we're going to be reflecting a bit more about Christmas and what it means. And so we're going to spend some time thinking in particular about what Christmas teaches us about what it means to be human and how this might shape how we start this new year together. And so I want to begin this morning by doing something a little bit different. I like on services like these to experiment a little bit, do things a bit out of the ordinary. So we're going to start by listening to a part of a song together. And uh, just to set your expectations a little bit, this isn't a Christmas carol. It's not even a hymn. It's a pop song by a musical artist named John Bellion. Uh, So it's a little bit different. Um, I like to describe him as sort of the Justin Bieber of of Long Island. Uh, I'm a big fan of his. So we're going to listen to this song. The song is called Human. And as we listen, we're just going to listen to the first minute of it. But I want you to try to listen carefully to the lyrics and try to pay attention to how John Bellion describes the human condition. So we'll go ahead and listen to the song a little bit listening to that song. Sorry to cut it off just as it's getting particularly good. Well, um, these lyrics, if you go back and, and read them, they might, not, they might not be the most sophisticated uh, of poetry, but I think John Bellion is, is sticking his finger right in the wound of the human heart. There's a reason why our chests still hurt, he says. No matter how much we try, many of us live with guilt that we're not living right. No matter how much money we make, even if we have enough cash to blow on a stupid pair of sneakers, our hearts are still haunted by scarcity. No matter how many lovers we might have, our hearts are still haunted. We're petrified that we'll die alone, as Bellion sings. And this isn't his most popular song, not by far, but it still has over 30 million listens on Spotify. And it has so many listens because I think people can relate to how he describes the human condition. Our hearts are haunted. Or as St. Augustine puts it, our hearts are restless until they rest in God. And while I think this song is brilliant in articulating the symptoms of our restless hearts, I think his diagnosis of the problem is actually totally wrong. The song suggests 
that the reason our hearts are restless is because we are human. I don't know if you could pick up on the chorus. He just says, I'm just so sick of being human. The song assumes that being human is our problem. It's something that we need to escape. But this is wrong. One of the most important things that Christmas teaches us is that being human is good. It's actually very good to be human. You see, the word did not become flesh to save us from being human. God became human to redeem our humanity. God became human so that we might actually become more fully human, like Jesus, free from sin and alive to God. Put differently, one of the main goals of the incarnation is to finally make us fully human. Now, I suspect this might be a new idea to some of us because we so often conflate being human with corruption. We equate being human with being sinful. And I think it makes sense why we do that. Sin has been a part of the human story for so long, and it's been a part of each of our stories for so long that we've come to see sin as a feature of humanity rather than a bug. Many of us have come to define what it means to be human as those who have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But again, this is wrong. And our psalm this morning corrects our thinking about our humanity. Psalm 8 tells us that the glory of the Lord is visible in the whole world, but it says God's glory is most clearly revealed in human beings. According to this psalm, Where is the glory of God in the cosmos? Well, verse 5 tells us it's on the heads of human beings, on women and men crowned with glory and honor. This is why St. Irenaeus said that the glory of God is a human being fully alive. The glory of God is a human being fully alive. And Jesus is the ultimate embodiment of this, of humanity. The Father is most glorified in Jesus because he is a human being fully alive. And he's fully alive because he lives for love. That's what it means to be human. And if you want to know what love looks like, we look at Jesus. We look to Jesus as he's revealed to us in the Gospels. To paraphrase theologian Herbert McCabe, the life and death of Jesus Christ is what love looks like when it's projected on the screen of human history. And what does love look like? Well, it looks like a life fully devoted to God and fully devoted to loving our neighbors, even at the cost of our own life. This is what it means to be fully a human, to live a life of love. And Jesus shows us exactly what it looks like. So our problem is not that we are human. Our problem is that we are not human enough. And Christmas is all about Jesus Christ coming to fix this, to fix this problem, to conquer sin and death, and to break their grip on our lives. The story of Christmas is the story of God becoming like us so that we could become like him, fully alive to God. And our gospel passage this morning gives us some insight into just how this happens, just how we become more fully alive to God. 
This story is a unique one in the scriptures. There's nothing like it in the other gospels. It's the only passage where we get a glimpse, even though it's a small glimpse, we get a glimpse of Jesus in his childhood. And it's such an intriguing scene. After the Passover, as his family is heading home from Jerusalem, Jesus would have been 12 or 13 years old, and he essentially ditches his family. He ditches his parents so that he can spend more time in the temple with the religious leaders. There's a lot I'd like to say about this passage, but I promised you a slightly shorter sermon, so I'm just going to draw out one theme from this passage. The thing that I want to highlight, the thing that jumps out to me from this passage is the theme of growth and the theme of development. Our passage begins and ends by emphasizing the growth and the development of Jesus. In verse 39, it says, the child Jesus grew and he became strong. In verse 52, Jesus increased in wisdom and in years. He increased in divine favor and human favor. Now, this is really interesting. Jesus grew up like us. He made progress physically and mentally, emotionally, even spiritually. I think, of course, we need to be careful here. This doesn't mean that Jesus somehow progressed from being sinful to becoming pure or something like that. Jesus was always sinless, but he still needed to develop and to mature as a human being. Jesus shows us what it looks like to be a fully human being. And this passage gives us a little hint at how it happens. And how it happens is a process. And it's a long process. It's a process, in fact, that takes our entire lives. One of the best books I read this past year is called You're Only Human by Kelly Capick. And in this book, uh, Capick speaks to this theme of the slow development of human life, both in Jesus and in us. Capick says there's a reason why Jesus doesn't drop out of heaven as a fully developed adult ready to hop on the cross. I don't know if you've ever thought about that, right? He became a baby. Why? Why did he become a baby and not drop down as a fully formed human? Well, it was apparently very important to God that the mediator between God and humanity experience the fullness of the human life, including all of our stages of development from birth to death. And part of the reason behind this is that Jesus came to redeem every single stage and aspect of our humanity. What Christ does not assume, he does not heal, as St. Gregory said 16 centuries ago. But another reason that Jesus sh uh, does this is Jesus shows us how we might become fully human like him. You see, Jesus is our model for what it looks like to be human. And he's our forerunner. He cuts the path for us to follow so that we can follow him and live into what it means to be an image bearer in its fullest sense. He cuts the path for us to follow to become more fully and truly human. And that path is a long one, sometimes painfully slow, when it's a process of growth and development. And so Christmas teaches us two things. First, it teaches us that it is good to be human. And that our goal in this life is to become fully human, just like Jesus. 
And second, Christmas teaches us that to become like Jesus is a lifelong process. And sometimes it's slower than we would hope. Now, with this idea of process in mind, I want to end my sermon by talking about New Year's resolutions. On the first day of 2023, as the new year lies open before us with all of its possibilities, I want to challenge us to make some New Year's resolutions together. Now, I know resolutions can be pretty polarizing. Some of us love to make resolutions. We love setting goals and forming new habits. And some of us just kind of roll our eyes at the whole idea of it. If you're one of those people who don't make New Year's resolutions, I want to challenge you to try it. I think resolutions are actually a really good spiritual practice to participate in every year. And as we think about resolutions, a passage like 2 Peter can serve as a really great guide for us to frame how we might make resolutions. This is uh, printed on page four of your bulletin if you wanna follow along as I read it in just a moment. I love this passage. It tells us that Jesus has already given us everything that we need for life and for godliness. But differently, God has given us everything we need to become fully human already. And then he tells us that we need to take advantage of these gifts that have been given to us. In verse five, Peter writes, for this reason, you must make every effort to support your faith with goodness and goodness with knowledge and knowledge with self-control and self-control with endurance and endurance with godliness and godliness with mutual affection and mutual affection with love. For if these things are yours and are increasing among you, they keep you from being ineffective and unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is such a great passage, such a great passage to keep before us as we enter into this new year together. If these things are yours and increasing, we will grow. We'll actually make progress and we'll become more and more like Jesus. And so here's the challenge I want to put before each of us today. Sometime today or tomorrow, sometime this week, spend some time with this passage. Maybe 15 or 20 minutes more if you can spare it. Read through it a few times, read it slowly, read it prayerfully. Be like Jesus in the temple, listen and ask questions of this passage. And ask God to speak to you through his word. Ask God, Lord, what are you inviting me to say yes to this year? And of course, there's nothing optional in this list. All of these things are good. They're all things that we are invited into. But perhaps God wants you to zoom in on just one of them to start. Maybe it's in the area of goodness. Maybe God wants you to serve in a new way. Maybe it's in the area of mutual affection. Maybe God wants you to invest more time, devote more time into your friendships this year. We can also ask God, Lord, what are you convicting me to say no to as I read this passage? Perhaps it's in the area of self-control. Maybe you've been eating and drinking too much. Maybe you've been working too much or spending so much time on your screen that it's keeping you from the most important things. Well, sometime this week, Make time and meditate on this passage 
and listen for where God is calling forth a bit more resolve. And whatever you hear God say, talk to him about it. Talk to your friends about it. Write it down and put it before you throughout the coming year. Resolve to say yes or to say no so that you can become more fully alive in God this year. And as we do this, remember the goal isn't perfection, at least not all at once. The goal isn't perfection, but to head in the right direction, to make progress. There will inevitably be ups and downs, and that's okay. Becoming fully human like Jesus takes time. And this is what Christmas teaches us. God sent his beloved son into the world to make us his children. And as his children, he will help us grow up to be just like him. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for Jesus who became fully human and showed us the way. And to end, I want to pray the collect, the beautiful collect for the second Sunday of Christmas. O God, who wonderfully created and yet more wonderfully restored the dignity of human nature, grant that we may share the divine life of him who humbled himself to share our humanity. Your Son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen.